720 WGN. Thanks for joining us for the Lisa Dent Show. We always look forward to talking to Dr. Jim Adams, Chief Medical Officer at Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Adams, thanks for joining us for the show today. A lot of talk about long COVID, especially within the Chicago Police Department. There's, um, you know, the captain of the Blackhawks team not playing right now. One of the issues is long COVID. How prevalent is this? I know you have a clinic at Northwestern, but is it? are you seeing it more based on people who got COVID early on in the pandemic? So it definitely occurred early on, but it's mysterious and learning every day about it. Some people, the COVID symptoms will drag out with some weakness or brain fog or palpitations for weeks, sometimes months. Most people will get better after three months or so, and almost all will get better after a year or so. But a year of symptoms can be really distressing for people. Yeah, absolutely. And are most of them neurological or is it heart related? Is it what, what are you seeing the most of? Uh, it's all over. The, the, there's a lot of viruses that can cause profound weakness and just the real, real sluggishness, and this is one of them, but also the brain fog and also fast heart rates and palpitations. People getting up, they get dizzy and really fast heart rate. So those are, those are often the, the big symptoms, but the difficulty concentrating brain fog and the profound weakness really do drive a lot of people to seek care. And it must be severe brain fog, because I think most of us on any given day go, oh, what? I forgot that. Or why did I leave the house without that? Explain what brain fog, uh, when it comes to medical protocol, means. Yeah, it's a whole different level. If, if your job is doing math and you just can't do any math at all, or if your job is reading, you can't concentrate and read and read an article at all. Or if you're just so weak, you just can't get through it. It's really a, it's really it's frustrating for people. It's just to a level that some people cannot carry out normal activities. So this is not the thing that we all experience. This is this really interferes with life. Dr. Jim Adams and our conversation is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. One of the stories popping up over the past 24 hours is about parents giving fever-reducing medicine to kids. They say one in three parents give fever-reducing medicine when it may not be needed. What's the danger in that? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad we're having a conversation because we, we do give a lot of medicines. We want our children to get better. We don't like to see them sick. But the reality is, for most children, a low-grade fever is not a bad thing. It can help kill the virus more quickly. So the rush to give medicines right away as early in the course of an illness is, is really not warranted. Now, I do have to say, if, if a child's under three months of age and they have fever, you have to call your pediatrician right away. So we're talking about over three months in normal childhood illnesses. Let them get through it, push Jello and Popsicles and some Gatorade or Pedialyte, depending on the age. But and when they're really miserable and at the high temperature, of course, you can give Tylenol. But no need to give it instinctively or immediately. It's better to try the comfort and the fluids and supportive measures first. You know, the women over 50, 60, 70 are remembering those cold water baths that they used to give their kids. Are those not in fashion anymore? Well, we can stick to cool towels and the, yeah. the cool towels on the forehead will feel good. I don't think the cold baths, we don't have to 
make anybody suffer. But um, but those kind of things really are helpful, and reaching for medicines right away, probably not warranted. It was miserable. People would put their little kids in mm. a It was like, what are we doing here? Okay, <laughs> another news story that is of interest is the connection between menopause and cardiovascular disease. There is a connection, right? Well, there there is, because estrogen or something in younger women seems to protect against cardiac disease. And after menopause, then the cardiovascular risks increase. So we really, and it's not so much menopause, it's just the women start to catch up to the cardiovascular risks of men. So the usual healthy things to keep your heart and blood vessels healthy movement, diet, exercise, going to the doctor, watching blood pressure, cholesterol. It's really, really important, and especially start that before menopause. Get in habits of healthy eating, exercise, and routine checkups, and that'll keep the heart healthy through and after menopause. But, yep, after menopause, the cardiovascular risks do increase. I have a friend who had a particularly bad case of COVID. She believes that it didn't bring on. Well, she, she does believe it brought on her menopause. Uh, is there any connection with that? I tried to say I don't think they're connected. It was probably coming anyway, but I'm not the doctor. You are. So what's the answer? Well, I haven't heard of any connections between menopause. We do know that COVID will interfere with menstrual cycles, but that's a much more mild interference. I don't think anything really with menopause necessarily, but who knows? It could trigger some hormonal thing and accelerate it a bit. But do to come anyway, no matter what. Right. You're not going to get out of the world without it if you're going to live a nice long life. Dr. Jim Adams is with Northwestern Medicine. A few questions coming in. We'll get those answered next. But first, Mary's got to check on weather and traffic. 720 WGN. It's always nice to talk to Dr. Jim Adams from Northwestern Medicine, Chief Medical Officer. Dr. Adams, people are um, sending in questions, obviously, about COVID. It's always, you know, it's always so mysterious and we're still trying to get a grip on it. This person wants to know, is there a test to determine that you're actually experiencing long COVID? No, unfortunately, that's part of the frustration there is not any any objective test, and it's so like so many of these long viral syndromes, we just can't prove it. It's based on the people's symptoms, and there are some testing and analysis that can be done, but no blood test or nothing to show that it's long COVID. So this is what becomes an issue when it comes to disability claims then, right? It's very complicated. That's absolutely right. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. Um Somebody else said, can long COVID pop up months after the infection? No, that's usually not the case. It's usually it, it evolves one thing into the next. The acute symptoms of COVID evolve into some other symptoms and then other symptoms that just never go away. So it's usually a progression and it do, it's not like there's a complete recovery and then recurrence. And there is a long COVID clinic at Northwestern. Is that self-referral or do you need to go through your primary care physician? Both, but it's useful to talk to the prim- your primary care physician first. They can do quite a lot, quite a lot of assessment, make sure that there's nothing else going on, which is really important. And then they can talk to you about referring to the long COVID clinic. And before I let you go, what are you seeing people come in with these days? I mean, is it still COVID or is it the flu? What's, what's raging in the city these days? 
So we're seeing a little bit of COVID, a little bit of flu. There's occasional hospitalizations with COVID. It's not nearly as bad as it's been for the last three years. Most of the COVID is um, is outpatient, but it's spreading a bit. There's other a lot of viruses going around. So it's it it's a moderate virus season. It's not the most severe we've had. And so people that are at risk still should wear their masks. But um, but it's also a bit of chance to be with other people, be healthy. The human-to-human interaction and contact in school is very, very important. So we would encourage that. Um, another person said, what are the bad effects from Paxlovid? So uh, Paxlovid does, especially if you're at risk and vulnerable, definitely talk to your doctor in advance so you can get a really quick test in COVID and Paxlovid prescription. Get that set up um, with your doctor so there's no delay. Uh, it does it does shorten duration. It does... does um, interfere with the viral replication, so it shortens the viral course. However, there's a lot of recurrence that that happens. It comes back later in some people. Don't worry about it. If, if you're at high risk, take the Paxlovid. If you're at low risk, maybe you don't need Paxlovid and you just take, get through the COVID um, and you can make those decisions. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your expertise. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much. Dr. Jim Adams from Northwestern Medicine.